0: Hi everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes,
1: technology, BIM, and beer. Uh
0: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Brewing with Bim. I'm Joe Whitney. As always with me is Dave Campbell. What's going on, Dave?
1: Hey, not much, Joe. Not much. Looking forward to doing this episode. You know, I know it's been a little while since we put him out. Life has been pretty crazy lately, especially with the holidays. So oh. I'm thankful to get on here with you, man, and, and have another good conversation.
0: Yeah, man. I yeah, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, the holidays definitely throw a wrench in things. Uh that and hobbies and kids and you name oh, it yeah, man. I, you name it yeah uh but it's all right man uh and while we've been uh lacking our good buddy uh, eric de put out several good episodes of cat manager uh, confessions recently so uh hopefully the bim community's had something to uh to wet their whistle and keep them occupied
1: <laughs> yeah yeah right
0: well hey man i don't want to dance around this topic for too long i know we got a lot of catching up to do but uh uh, today, uh, for our listeners, we're going to be talking about GeoBIM. Um, and a lot of people are like, I don't know what this is. What is GeoBIM? It's got BIM, it's got geo. Um, pretty self explanatory in that regard, right? It's uh, connecting the geospatial with the BIM elements. Geo located uh, BIM. <laughs> geo located, man, wouldn't you know? Um, and this has kind of been a, like a hot topic for years. I remember, uh, so my background is uh, GIS. And I remember, like, talking about Esri in an Autodesk environment, you know, 10 years ago was taboo because, yeah, you know, there was there was a little friction between the two companies. Um, but there's uh, a lot that's, I guess, uh, developed over the past few years and there's a tight knit relationship now. And and, uh, you know, the the proverbial hatchet has been ver- buried. Um, you know, Esri is like the the um, 800 pound gorilla in the uh, the GIS environment. Um, In fact, when you think about GIS systems, Esri is probably the first one you'll ever touch. I mean, I've touched like map info and QGIS and uh, a few other very small ones, but uh, map map 3D obviously, but Esri has been the the dominant player. But uh, on the other side, um, the 800 pound gorilla in the BIM environment has always been Autodesk, man. Um, So, looking forward to uh, diving into how these things kind of uh, connect and talking a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, me too, dude. I mean, we've had a few conversations here and there about positioning, you know, shared coordinates within Revit. And we've kind of talked about wanting to make that bridge um, with them and, and well, and GIS, right, being able to actually geolocate your buildings. Because, I mean, that's a huge thing in our industry is positioning. If you don't get the positioning off from the get-go, it can screw up a lot. Not even just your coordination, obviously that's thrown off, but there's a lot of different things positioning can really ruin or hamper in a project.
0: I've got a few scenarios to talk about here, Uh, but before we dive into that, man, i got to ask you, what are you drinking, my friend?
1: I'm keeping it pretty simple tonight. i got a Redneck Riviera, old-fashioned.
0: I'm keeping it simple with a drink that took me 10 minutes to make. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, uh, <laughs> I'm drinking. Uh, I'm 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 really keeping it simple. I pop the top on a bottle. I'm drinking a uh, Bloodline Blood Orange Ale from Flying Dog. Uh, it's quite tasty. I uh, was in the grocery store just needing some some alcoholic beverages, and uh, these actually had you know more these mixed packs. You know, uh, I usually find two in there that I like, and then the rest I just tolerate. Uh, but this uh, Flying Dog Mix Pack was uh, right up my alley, predominantly IPAs, predominantly 8% and above uh, alcohol by volume. Uh, <laughs> nice. And, you know, they have Blood Orange, and I can't go wrong with that, man. That's that's my mainstay. So, uh, yeah, man, been digging yeah, up dude. I've
1: been meaning to talk about that, uh, what was it, a lager that we drank when we were in Kansas City. That, I think it was Mango Cart. Oh, that, that was awesome. That was an awesome beer. Usually those fruity beers like that, dude, I am always down for.
0: Oh, I'm a, I'm a big Sours and Lambic guy. Uh, I love the the fruity beers myself Uh, as a full grown adult male. I will say, you know, (laughs) if it tastes
1: like juice, I'll drink it. I need some juice. (laughs) Yes, sir. Well,
0: Hey man, juice in my beer. Yeah. Well, hey, man. So before we dove into the alcoholic side, you were mentioned, uh, uh, you know, geo geolocating projects and having uh, a few headaches, kind of sorting out coordinate systems. Man, I just got to tell you, like there was this one project we were on, that we were working with. We were just consulting and uh, the survey was done in some arbitrary, you know, f- f- you know, projection coordinate system. Uh, in order to put it in real coordinate systems, like we had to do like sea level, you know, elevation calcs and, uh, it was still ended up being distorted. It was just a pain in the butt. Like, why can't we just have that in our model from, from day one? Like, just give me that data and let me have that coordinate system and let's not fudge around with this. Like, let's have real, um, uh, you know, located, lo- location articulated. I don't know how to even else to word this, but like they need to be well placed. And 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 easy to to read from different file formats, um, you know, coordinate system that's that's will cross all these boundaries, and I feel like, um, you know, doing this geo BIM is kind of a step in the right direction. It's kind of a big deal, right? As we talk about uh, uh, BIM and GIS, I know we've talked about this in the past and from from a different standpoint, we've always talked about pushing and pulling data from BIM and into GIS systems, right? We want to talk about asset management or we want to talk about,
1: mm-hmm. uh, you
0: know, FM systems and ownership, ownership modules and all that sort of stuff of the data that we already have. Maybe I want to analyze, you know, where's the best place to store, you know, 10,000 light bulbs across my, you know, which warehouse is best across all these buildings. Like, well, you know, Hey, look, um, in these cities I have, anyways, you can do all these querying, I guess is what it boils down to. So I can actually figure out where, where to place things. Um, where to uh, put, you know, future locations. It gives you real in-depth analysis. And that's what sucked me into GIS is, you know, on the surface, you think about geography as this really, you know, underrated, under, undervalued kind of science or social science, if you will, where we're talking about people and terrains and how they inter- interact. But uh, what GIS gives us the capabilities to do Doing is actually analyzing that data. So figuring out where the next grocery store goes and figuring out, you know, where the next presidential candidate stops to raise the most money and all that sort of stuff. These are real actionable items, uh, data that we can act on out of GIS systems. Now um, what does that have to do with BIM? Well, BIM in my mind has always been GIS, but for buildings, I have a map of the building where I can query and figure out where anything is and, uh, you know, no, you know, get a count and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's similar So being able to connect the two, um, in my mind, has always been like, oh, this should always work. Um, But now we're just getting to this point where it's actually starting to make sense. So, Dave, the reason why this topic came up to me recently is because I was connecting with uh, a few clients and, um, you know, they're going down this space as a rabbit hole of connecting, uh, you know, BIM data into GIS platforms, uh, predominantly ESRI, and um, I have the Privilege of reaching out to some of you know, my contacts at Esri and getting a little bit more information. Um, I got, you know, some uh, some demos and some videos to find out a little bit more information about it. You know, from what I've seen, maybe two years ago, I got this great AU session that came up, and it was a Hitchhiker's Galaxy um, to uh, GIS, I believe. Uh, Hitchhiker's Gal- Hitchers Hitchhiker's Guide to RTIS, GeoBAM, and Autodesk Construction Cloud. And this ties two of our favorite things together, man, or several of our favorite things together. We're going to talk about GIS, BIM, and the Autodesk Construction Cloud. How often does that get to happen, man?
1: Well, that's not very often, Joe, not very often at all. Now, I do kind of want to touch on one point before we kind of continue moving forward that you made, because I do feel like it's really important, especially in today's kind of industry or age of technology, and that's connectivity, right, or interoperability. And <clears throat> that's a big key when we're talking about like geo BIM, geo geolocated BIM, right? Because you think about something like Revit and the limitations that it has for space within your model space, right? If we try to bring in, uh, you know, a civil file and we're looking at, you know, we have all of our survey information and in that if it's coming from sea level most of the time when you bring it in, it, it might bring it in, right? It's going to tell you, it's going to give you a nice error message that says that your origin cannot be more than 20 miles. Really, Revit doesn't like more than 10, but it can't be more than 20 miles outside of the origin of the project, right? And when you're looking at some of these, the scale of these projects, right? I mean, some of them are huge. And when we start looking again at bringing this data over, it's great to have that. It is super great to have that data but it has to be um, in, a, in, a, in a form that is interpretable, right? For our platform, in this case, Revit for BIM. So that's the kind of the big thing that sticks out to me there as well is it, be kind of, it kind of clips down that area and it translates that data into something that Revit can understand. You could still have your coordinate system. You know, Obviously, there are ways around that. If you set your coordinates first in your Revit project and then start bringing elements in, you know, set your survey point and things like that. But it kind of helps to alleviate that a little bit is what I'm seeing. Like, it helps to, again, accurately position your project, but also bring that data over seamlessly in a way that it's gonna translate into Revit. You're not having those issues of, oh, is this C-level or is this, you know, project level? Where Where's my translation? Where am I losing? Where's this communication being lost? It, it, it really helps us get over a lot of different of bumps or speed bumps that we have in the industry and if you think about it um at least back when i was in the industry surveyors always had a slight mistrust for architects right and i'd say the other kind of way around because if a you know architect receives a surveyor file and he has to they have to move it to place it in the correct positioning and all that kind of stuff they grab it they move it closer to zero zero so they can bring it into revit or you know, they start if they don't do it correctly, the surveyor gets upset because, well, that you're moving my file. You're moving the coordinates. This is no longer what I specify. And the architect. Well, OK, in that sense, why aren't you giving me a file that I can utilize, you know, in, in the sense of being able to just digest that into my project? I you know, I, I if I want to take this, I, I'd like to use it, but I can't have it, you know, making my revit model that i'm trying to work in unusable so it's i mean the fact that it's making that connection is huge but the fact that it actually helps us to translate that data again into something like revit that is not really for you know surveying and things like that really uh translating that data into a way that it can understand i mean i think it's i think it's fantastic i really do and i think it's going to be very beneficial for a lot of different projects moving forward especially you know, like I was saying, there is our projects continue to get more complex, bigger in size or they're located around the world. I mean, just earlier I was talking to a contractor who has different projects that are going on and they need to be able to, you know, track assets and people and, you know, even what's going on on a site, but knowing where it's geo located so they don't have to go searching and searching through this huge database of information to figure out, okay, where is this and which project is it what project address my no it, you can really look it up and see where this was geolocated what's going on on the site and what's going on around it to know what's going to impact you during you know your work
0: yeah man um i i think we've got a great document uh, again it's not all ours it's autodesks and uh, uh esri's from the autodesk university that's going to talk about a little bit about dealing with these uh geolocated um shortcomings these parameters that you actually have to fall within to to connect to everything but like getting back to what you were saying about um you know the 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 setup and connecting everybody and getting your project set up and the way the architects and in, interpret it and all that sort of stuff i mean those are personalities that we have to deal with and, and i'll tell you what man i was a gis guy and i went to go work for a surveyor uh straight out of school and um uh, the first thing I ever heard is, don't you know GIS stands for get it surveyed? Uh, like, the, you know, everybody, the, whether, whether we want to believe it or not, but what the surveyor says is gospel and whether it's wrong or right, that that is be, besides the point. The reason why is because anything that goes wrong based off of that point is essentially a contractual li- uh, liability, I guess, for um, for the surveyor. If you use surveyor's information, It's the surveyor. The surveyors, you know, they're essentially stamping it. It's a legal record um, at that point. So that's why, like, even the structural guys are, like, out in the field. They want to rely on that survey data. They don't want to mess with anything. They don't flip it. They want to use the survey uh, set control points and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah.
0: Yep. So another thing. All right. So if you're you're connecting these models, um, back in the day, the old workflow was that Um, Yes, we would connect GIS and maybe CAD, not necessarily BIM. But the idea was predominantly that um, we would have a, you know, tax lots or an asset database or something like that that would be our GIS system, if you will, right? So as we set up, we have all of our tax parcels, tax lots. But then what we're doing is referencing in all these drawings. So we actually have like this really big map of everything, and then we're able to export out like a project base map for specific area that we want and actually pull in all the GIS stuff. Maybe we've got a hand database of assets we want to pull in. But anyways, you're able to query that data and export back out. And that's great for starting a project, but I'm thinking more about long-term. How, how would I be able to bring this stuff back into the ESRI database uh, and, and not necessarily, and, and yeah, obviously connect with uh, the ESRI database uh, during the project, but more about pushing data through ESRI is like the big thing for me. And what I've seen so far is actually now we can like slice Revit models. We can actually do quite a bit of stuff where we're actually interacting with the Revit models, not just having a stagnant DWG on the side um, that you open in your program or whatever. No, no, no. Now we're actually able to open uh, a version of the Revit model and actually interact with the property information. Not necessarily, you know, edit or anything like that, but being able to open it and, and connect uh, it, its leaps and bounds in my mind. And I guess getting, Sorry, I was on
1: mute there. I was on mute there for a second. Yeah, dude, I totally agree with you. I mean, honestly, getting everything aligned and again, bringing those, that data and those data sources together is, it's, it's huge. I mean, so getting back to it, you know, GeoBIM itself, um, we know that it's great with making the data positionable, right? What else, what else is there, Joe?
0: Well, um, you take it a step further instead of just positioning the data, uh, creating maps and services. Uh, so inside of ArcGIS, we have scene services, uh, and we can actually utilize the BIM content to kind of, you know, um, add some contextual information. Uh, but you can actually do that with the construction cloud, and it just it connects all the pieces together. It's it's pretty robust workflow. Um, it uses the SG, uh, .prj uh, you know file in the project folder um to kind of create these and i i can't wait to share these uh the you know the this great content that was already put out but actually just bringing some more light to it because i uh, i you know i'm geeking out over it dude uh that's that's pretty much what it boils down to um we use uh esri the uh, the arc uh the the web services here um don't use the uh you know Arc uh, Explorer, like, or the Arc uh, GIS platform, like I used to have, you know, when I was actually doing this stuff, you know, 10.1, 10.2 mm-hmm. years ago. But uh, just still being able to play with it and the web environment and connect um, with, you know, BIM data, which is the most important thing for us. But looking at it in, in, in a grand scale, because we were talking about how Revit can only look at, you know, uh, a certain um, uh, mile range, right? But GIS is like it's worldwide, man. Like you can you can query anywhere in the world. So that's why I think it's so important to be able to put these snapshots of BIM content there and be able to query across, um, you know, multiple uh, locations, not just one. Even though our Revit file is is you know focused on a smaller footprint.
1: Yeah, but you're completely right. I mean, at that point, we're starting to look at the metrics of the data, not just you know an individual project. You really start looking at okay what are we doing, how are we doing it? You know, the good, better, best kind of situation where we can actually take what happened in these projects that happened worldwide, look at how we did on them, how you know, we delivered, what our return was, everything like that to really start helping ourselves get better in the future. And I think that's another kind of big part of this. I mean, you know, we talk about the, the construction cloud a little bit here and there. One thing we haven't really talked about is, is build you know, um, really too much with it in, in terms of how it can connect here. I mean, of course, assets and issues, RFIs, submittals, all that stuff's awesome. Being able to track a piece of equipment as it goes to a certain site, what it's doing, if it's down, if it's maintenance, I, you know, I got to
0: people. I, I got a little insight on uh, the assets module recently because we were looking at it from a different standpoint. Um, we wanted to track it with the BIM model data, do mass uploads and all that sort of stuff. And I found that the the, the best way to do it apparently, is through Assemble. So if you use Assemble, um, tagging those assets becomes a lot easier and then connecting that BIM-level data between the construction cloud and and your GIS environment, dude, it's leaps and bounds. You have pre-tagged data that you can actually pull from and extrapolate from directly into your GIS database with all that information, um, the field information that you've captured already yep. associated with it, man.
1: Yeah, dude. It's I mean, it's awesome. It really is, but getting back to like the metrics of it as well, that's really where the construction cloud shines. I mean, yes, we have all of these awesome workflows to pull from the BIM data to track and, you know, we're connecting and and adding references to like RFIs from issues or PCOs, you know, there's a whole lot of things we can do, but at the end of the day, it's all about the data that you're taking back, right? Or that you're kind of keeping, I guess. And in this sense, the data that we can take that we can kind of analyze you know in 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 an Autodesk construction cloud kind of mindset i'd be i'd be thinking okay i'm going to go ahead and analyze these different projects that i've had that i've used here and i could go ahead and start analyzing one individual project and maybe start running it over the course of let's say a year or something like that and really when you start connecting like the geolocation of it you start seeing the patterns in in the different areas. You know, if we're working in, let's say, you know, Indiana and in the United States, what's lumber looking like? What's gas looking like for delivering? What, you know, What are there any taxes that we need to be aware of when we're purchasing or when we're working, you know, where, where the COVID restrictions, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, that might be different from somewhere, even, even in let's say Texas in the United States or Europe or, you know, Spain, anywhere like that. We can, there's so many different places. But it gives you the capability to analyze like you said earlier that data on a global scale, but also of course being able to group that information and and kind of figure out what the trends are, what any potential roadblocks we might see i mean it's it's awesome for being able to make better decisions in the
0: future oh hundred percent man hundred percent um so like one of the things that i I got to explore with this ArcGIS, uh, um uh, kind of integration, if you will, was being able to bring in like systems. So like we've got piping systems, right? We want to bring that in and look at uh, maybe just the, the, you know, analyze just the the, the, the piping systems inside of, a uh, across buildings or whatever. Or look at um, uh, the, the BIM viewer of it all and, you know, actually be able to slice and interact with the information, do all that fun stuff. But also look at, Maybe the systems, or maybe mechanical systems across all buildings, and look at uh, air handling units. Uh, maybe we're trying to, maybe we own a campus, right? And we're trying to make sure everything has the similar air handling units and, you know, tracking maintenance schedules and all that sort of stuff. All this data plays together uh, in such a, a great way. Um, there's a an AU class, so I was talking about the document that Autodesk put out uh, with uh, AU. But there's actually a class that goes through all of this and I don't know if anybody got it, the thing is it got kind of sold out um, so it was one of those ones you had to go back and watch uh, after everything was said and done but uh, essentially you get to create uh, little snapshots on the web platform which is I don't know if it still is but at one point in time ArcGIS online was included with the AEC collection so we could actually connect our data so think about like connecting you know InfraWorks with, uh, with um, um, GIS, but you can actually create scenes of of specified areas, kind of like our um, terrain builder or model builder uh, inside of Infoworks, where we get that snapshot of that area. But we can actually pull that information and bring that into a GIS database. It connects the two. It's just, it was just a cool workflow. And the we talked about this in the past. Like the the big thing for you, Dave, was visualization. Having that visualization, Uh, imagine being able to have this before the project even started. Just being able to query and analyze what's there based off of uh, preliminary open source data.
1: Yeah, dude, definitely. I mean, as an owner, as an investor, you know, even at, when you're stepping into a project as a general con- contractor, looking at a specific area, having that information upfront is going to be beneficial for all, all parties, all stakeholders.
0: Oh That's yeah, man. You, uh, so like you get the visual aspects of, you know, uh, 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 projects on a map type thing. You get to improve the the you know efficiency and uh, data location with the data location having precision there. Um, organized data obviously a big thing. You know you've heard us talk about scan data in the past and why structured data is so much better than unstructured data. Well, yeah, uh, it, it it goes beyond just scanning file formats. It has to do with everything, right? Uh, if you have unqueryable data, um, that data you know was often siloed. Unstructured data data um, you've got to have OCR capabilities and, you know, query texts and all that sort of stuff. It's just, it's harder to do and less uh, user friendly. Uh, so having this, you know, your projects and the data organized and, uh, the, the way that you intended, you know, makes life a lot easier. Um, so you minimize the data conversions with it and everything, again, going back to why we love ACC so much is that single source of truth. Everything is up to date, everything is accurate, there's, um, uh, you know, version control. Everything is all connected in one platform. Uh, you know, it's actually connecting two platforms, but it just makes life so much easier for us. Um, uh, you know, further on. So like, the way that it's it's connected, I f- I still think that maybe you uh, you get GeoBim with the uh, with uh, AEC collections. I'll have to check that out. I believe uh, any you, you got ArcGIS uh, web with any of the, um, AEC collection. So we'll have to play around with that and, and, um, make sure we're getting that inform that accurate information out to our listeners. I don't want to, I don't want to say you got it when you don't got it, but, but yeah. <laughs> I, I think at one point in time it was there for everybody. Um, but like we were doing that, that light rail, you know, that, that big project and it just would have made sense yeah. if everything was actually, um, on the same position limits.
1: beforehand. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just,
0: because at the end of the day, we were trying to bring it into a GIS environment. We were connecting our, our BIM 360 uh, with Esri, and it's what we were doing. We wanted to actually, you know, set them up for success, but we weren't able to do so. Had we known, you know, uh, ahead of time about the coordinate systems and all that sort of stuff, like it would it would have been easier, and we would have been able from day one to, to figure that out. Had we just tried to put our, our Revit models in the in the right space instead of this arbitrary, but um, No, man, like good lessons learned. And I feel like as we as we talk about more tools like this, it forces our way of thinking so that we actually have to think in a more uh, broader spectrum and actually have to think about accurate positioning, um, you know, going into it, not just for, you know, clash detection later on where the guys are trying to, uh, you know, manually align models to figure it out because everybody's in an arbitrary coordinate system. Um, But you know, to, to make sure everything is precise as we're talking about uh, integrations with GIS and asset information. That all has to be, uh, uh, you know, precise data as well. Yep.
1: Yes, it does. Yeah, dude, I mean, I mean, I don't know. There's just so much we could talk about with this just because, you know, positioning is huge, especially like that that uh, light rail project you're talking about, it honestly derailed. I mean, well, that's that's funny, but it derailed the whole project. Right? <laughs> it, it, it really did.
0: Yeah, it was a multi-billion-dollar project, and and at the end of the day, the best we could we could do for the visual aspect was manually aligning and transforming visually instead of having um, real conversion uh, done to align, which is you know not not what we wanted. Um, no, especially you when know, you're looking. We, we were at just helping out. Decision. It wasn't it wasn't our project, but but uh, um, you know, these are just the headaches that you get when you come into something after the fact. But it was still cool, man. I, I loved oh, yeah. seeing it, seeing it uh, all put up in one platform, all everything tied together on a project that size was just it was just beautiful. Um, so I mean, I, I guess really what it boils down to is when we're talking about connecting the GIS and the BIM space, it really does just boil down to the, pretty much those. Three key aspects, right? Um, uh, You know, geolocated, so make sure everything's in the right spot. Um, The visual aspect, so having insights into your model and tying that in with a broader context of data. Whether you're using a a separate database for your assets, or maybe even psychographics. You know, we talked about that Big Brother uh, sort of stuff before. Or um, as well as uh, so like. Once you've got the the visuals for 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 the the like the data side, but you also want to have visuals on the on the GIS side of actually the BIM model. Well, I mean, that's now there too. We can actually tie these things together. The historical way was you know uh, uh, really crude DWGs brought back into the environment, creating shape files and just not fun fun workflows. Uh, but now actually being able to interact with Revit data and view it and just more meaningful uh meaningful ways just it 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 broadens it just a little bit more um so once you get through the the visualization and the geolocation for me um i don't know man i feel like it's got to come down to uh just providing a holistic approach to to a project because we've talked about this in the past bim doesn't stop when the building's built you know bim BIM is ongoing. It's it's part of the FM. It's part of the asset management, the space planning, uh, all of this in the the demolition. Um, So having a a record of all that stuff. Now, if you just have a Revit file that dies, and you know that's that's one thing. But what we're we're really trying to get at is you know as an owner of multiple buildings, you really want to you know continually analyze your assets, um, have insights into the way they're being interacted with, uh, and and you know, the way they're being used, that.
1: the way they're being changed. Yeah. All exactly. Of that, dude. I mean, yeah. yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I, I went into a, uh, a building in downtown Indianapolis. It was an awesome experience. They, it was an old FBI building that they actually changed over into a design firm and, you know, a couple other buildings. And for me, just even looking at that, you know, the owner of the entire building trying to manage, Not only the people that they have, the renters that they have, they had a parking space below because it was downtown Indianapolis, not a lot of parking. So they had this parking space below that they had to track how many parking stalls they had, so how many employees they could have in there, how many employees they needed in their external, their outdoor parking lot. And it it was just, it was cool to see it from that sense because as an owner or investor, when you're looking at a spot, you need to know, know, yes, you need to know what's there, but be able to plan and say, okay, I have this many employees that I'm planning on having. Can this space hold it? Not only that, do I have enough parking? Or you know, Can we park on the streets? What, what is the environment around my building? Because it's not just that space that you're taking up. It's the environment that's around it that also impacts how you work, how your employees work, right? If you're trying to, let's say, prefabricate or you're delivering a product, You got to know that you have enough space in there for your different machines but also when you're loading trucks and unloading trucks do we have enough space for them to turn around you know or is it going to be a downtown portland kind of mess where you got semis trying to back into the side of a random building blocking up traffic right those are different things that we can start analyzing and looking at to make those better decisions again kind of moving forward but i really think that's a value Right. That is a value to the owners, to the investors, period, being able to see and visualize that data going into it. But again, as you as your point kind of went, we have to update that data, right? That BIM model has to be updated. That site every time it changes, it needs to be updated. We need to keep continuously updating this database that we have so that others, when they go to move into that space or even if they're demolishing the building, they just know what's there. Right again, so we can make those good decisions.
0: One hundred percent, man. And that, that that actually brings me to the next point. Like so the you, we've talked a lot about the why. So before we before we wrap up, I feel like this is probably a good place to end. I want to talk about what is GIS, what is BIM, and kind of why them together. So GIS stands for geographic. so if you're on the BIM side, you you may know have a cursory knowledge of GIS. Uh but you might think, Oh, that's for the that's for the government agencies or the um, maybe the asset guys or yeah, the, I don't working with the stuff. owners, wrap Yeah, all that sort of stuff. But really, okay, what it boils down to is GIS stands for Geographic Information Systems. It's a system designed to capture, store, and manipulate, analyze, manage, and present all types of ge- geographical data. The data is ty- typically associated with spatial char- characteristics, right? I, you know, so we can kind of geolocate them and, uh, you know, run an analysis on that location, essentially. Um, and then on the BIM side, you know, for our GIS guys that may not know what BIM is, just think about GIS for a building, right? Um, but having a little more f- uh, finite, I guess, oh, maybe finite's not the word, more more focused, I guess, uh, uh, use case for the data, right? It's all for, uh, you know, uh, design, engineering, and construction. So really what it boils down to is it's process and technology um by way that uh buildings and infrastructure are designed constructed and operated uh so think you know through design construction and then you know uh post construction um and it helps us to analyze things and look at things from a different perspective and uh, gives us decision making um information for you know so we can analyze the performance across the building and infrastructure life cycle so those two together right um you know what BIM is. You know what GIS is. We got a lot of acronyms. So why do you want to bring these two together? Um, it's more just about integrating the data uh, and empowering both sides of the coin. We want to give AEC firms and owners the ability to uh, not only design and build, but also be, you know, better understand where and why. You and I had chatted in the past about this firm in uh, England that was. Um, uh, they were working with owners at the front end of a project to figure out where the project should go and it automatically uses generative design and accounts for um, all the existing uh, infrastructure that's in place. Um, So it actually reduces the construction costs because they know what they can tie into and how big and they don't have to redo all this and that and and, you know and they're able to look at the uh, psychographics and figure out where that best location is and best bang for the buck the ROI blah 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 but also uh, Looking at it in a way of construction costs and building impact and all these sort of things, it, it literally ties them all together. And this is actually just where we're getting to. We're getting to this piece of it. Everything is going to be uh, more integrated. And I got a lot of this information uh, from these links that I'll share with uh, when we post out the, the uh, podcast. But there's just so much that goes into it. So much when we're thinking about large, you know, rail projects, large infrastructure projects, if you will, big buildings, campus. Dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We could. We'll save that for another time, but, uh, residential. Yes. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, but with that dude, I, I, I got to wrap it up. Um, it was fun. I, you know, this was a short one. I just wanted to kind of jump into, uh, this geo bin while it was fresh on my mind and, you know, put something out cause we haven't, uh, haven't chatted in a while, but, uh, I've got to jump off. I'm gonna take the kiddo to dance and, uh, man, Woo. uh, enjoy your weekend buddy and have fun playing with your new Mustang for all of our viewers out there. David is uh now Mustang, Dave, he, oh, yeah. He, he owns a, a fleet. Yeah.
1: we got a 69 and a 14. Woo woo. Yeah, dude. Thank you again for, for, you know, giving me a call, man. I was happy to record today. I know it's been a while, but um, I also want to thank all of our listeners out there. If you guys are checking us out, thank you very much for giving us a listen. Again, I know we say this a lot, but if you guys have any feedback or you have any cool things that you see floating out there that you want us to look into and talk about, Or if you're just curious about anything, if you're even brand new to BIM or you're really experienced with BIM, you want to know how far you can push it, give us a call or shoot us some feedback. Send us an email. We'd love to talk to you, and we'd love to dive into anything BIM-related.
0: And we keep talking about this, man. we got to get the swag out there on the website and get some people hooked up. Uh, We owe owe quite a few people some swag. and uh, So keep listening, guys. We love it. Thank you for the feedback. uh, And stay tuned for some big things, man. Appreciate the time.